Hello, I'm Jacob Jarvis and welcome to The Bunker USA. Donald Trump is the perennial villain of American politics and the amount of trouble he's in is impossible to keep up with unless you become obsessed with him, which I wouldn't recommend. But we're going to spare you having to go down that particular rabbit hole. I'm joined by Andrew Rudalovich, the Thomas B. Reed Professor of Government at Bowdoin College, to go through five key bits of Trump drama you need to be aware of. Andy, welcome to The Bunker. Jacob, thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Andy, before we start the list, this is a big question, I'm aware, but give me a very brief, big picture overview of how much trouble Donald Trump is in right now. Well, legal trouble, quite a lot. There are 91 felony counts pending against him at state and federal levels. Uh, We probably don't want to lose track of the civil suit against him. A jury found him liable for sexual assault, in fact, of rape, as part of a defamation suit bought by the woman who he assaulted decades ago. So that's sort of hanging out there too. But the real dilemmas for him now are the the four trials, uh, again, in state and federal court, dealing with everything from business fraud to falsification of business records as a way of covering up payments to a mistress, to the possession of classified documents and violations of the Espionage Act. And finally, of course, to his actions after the 2020 election, and especially connected to January 6th, 2021, the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol that day. So taken on the whole, if the president were convicted of all of those felonies and he got the maximum sentence in all of them, he'd be looking at something like 700 years in prison. (laughs) It's uh, sometimes hard to overstate how much of a horrible individual this man sounds like until you then frame it out like that and you think, gosh, this really is something. Anyway, on to the list. So number one, could you talk me through the fraud trial and what is going on there? Can you give me a quick explanation of what it's actually looking at, what the the organisation is actually on trial for? Sure. So this is the Trump organization rather than Donald Trump personally. And it's effectively a civil case rather than a criminal case so that there's not jail time involved here. Uh, But there are big amounts of money and the ability for his uh, business empire to operate that are at stake. Here we have the basic accusation that Donald Trump played with the books, right? That he told banks he had more money than he did. And he told tax authorities that he had less money than he did. And the value of his properties, as he certified to both those authorities, fluctuated uh, well with his mood, frankly, but really with what he needed (laughs) in terms of getting financing or, of course, paying fewer taxes. Basically, the argument is, so, for example, to, to Deutsche Bank, right, which gave him lots of loans, right, that they would have charged him higher interest rates if they knew he didn't have as much money as he claimed he did. So this is a trial in front of a judge. The Trump lawyers actually failed to ask for a jury trial. So President Trump is railing against the judge on social media, but the fact that there's no jury is entirely his own uh, legal team's fault. We're talking about $250 million, potentially, uh, maybe more, in fines that could come out of this. Uh, The Trump Organization and affiliated businesses could lose their right to operate, and so would have to be sold off, which, by the way, would land Trump with another tax bill. Yeah. which is ironically delicious. Is it hard to know how damaging that would be for him as well? Because we don't know how much money he has because he's basically bullshitted about how much money he has all along. So that sum of money sounds like a lot, but if we can't work out how rich he is, we don't know just how much that will impact him. Right. It's unclear whether he has $250 million sitting around. I kind of doubt it, actually. His former fixer, Michael Cohen, who's in jail himself, has said that Trump would need to sell stuff 
in order to pay that fine. Uh, by the way, Trump and his two sons would be forbidden from being officers in any uh, corporation in the state of New York. And the attorney general at least wants to prevent Trump from owning or participating in any uh, real estate transactions in New York for a period of time. So it would basically wipe out you know, the, the notion of Trump Tower, that sort of symbol of Trump's success as a businessman. What's your prediction on the, the outcome of this? Well, I mean, the judge already ruled from the bench that fraud was committed. And so really, this whole segment of the trial is about the penalties. Now, there are appeals ongoing, but this is not one where innocence seems likely. There's a lot of documentation here. Uh, the defense has effectively been, A, these properties are fabulous, absolutely fabulous. And that was Donald Trump, you know, spent a day on the stand telling everyone how awesome Trump properties are. But the legal defense, such as it is, is, well, A, valuations of real estate is hard, you know, and maybe we got it right. But secondly, uh, well, you know, hey, the bank got repaid. This isn't about a loan default. So the bank, if they didn't actually check out that I was lying to them, that's their fault, not my fault. That's not what New York statute says, though, by the way. <laughs> so moving on to the second one, the, the 2020 charges. Yeah. To me, this feels like a very long time ago that 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 happened. It's still shocking whenever you see the images of January 6th. So where are we at there? And why is it taking so long for him to actually get any comeuppance? Well, the Justice Department was very cautious and was uh, criticized for taking its time to, to bring formal charges. There are something like a thousand of the participants in the uh, attack on the Capitol who have gone through the criminal process by now. But the charges against Trump at the federal level are not for you know, seditious conspiracy. They're not for actually insurrection, um, as some of the people have been charged with. And the Proud Boys, for example, were convicted of seditious conspiracy, you know, physically trying to undermine the U.S. government. Trump's charges are really on obstructing a proceeding. And actually, one of them is about an 1870, so after the U.S. Civil War statute about preventing people's right to vote. It was a law originally passed to deal with the Ku Klux Klan. And it's been used here uh, because Trump allegedly conspired with others to prevent people's votes from counting as they should count. So those federal charges are different from the Georgia state charges, which is a whole nother set of issues relating to the same election, where he's charged with, again, trying to uh, undermine the results of the election there and the cherry on the top for the prosecutor in Georgia is that she's used a racketeering statute, you know, the same kind of uh, law they used to prosecute the mafia, uh, conspiring to uh, further a corrupt objective in this case, again, trying to undermine the election by coming up with fake members of the Electoral College, by leaning on state officials to try to lie about the results in their state. And in that case, you know, a number of his co-defendants, the other members of this alleged conspiracy, have actually pled guilty and presumably will testify against Trump. So there are these two tracks going on and they're on sort of different schedules. Uh, it's possible, of course, that neither will, you know, come to full fruition until after January 2025. I mean, these things take a long time. Yeah. What would the outcome be if he were to be found guilty in these two cases? Well, so in Georgia, we're talking about something like 13 counts, and you could have a 20-year sentence for racketeering, and then the individual counts of the crimes committed would also be added to that. 
Now, the thing about state law is that a president can't pardon himself against state charges. The pardon power is limited to federal crimes. At the federal level, we're talking again about, theoretically, 55 years worth of jail time. I suspect it wouldn't come to that. You know, the man is almost 80. But these are pretty serious felony charges in both cases. The federal case is a sort of a hard one, right? Because what Trump has argued is that, well, actually, I believed the election had been violated, that there was fraud. And, you know, as president, of course, it was my official duty to try to root out that fraud and to try to make sure that everything could be done, you know, by the federal government to ensure the integrity of the election. And therefore, all of the stuff that you're charging me with was done in my role as president. And that can't be a crime. So the burden of the special prosecutor is to show, well, A, this was criminal activity and therefore, by definition, can't be part of what we consider the official acts of a president. We have also the fact that, you know, the president, while bringing all these lawsuits against the different election results around the country, is also calling up members of state legislatures and working with organizations that are trying to get electors selected it's part of the Electoral College, you know, our weird American system of electing presidents, who will then be available if Mike Pence, the vice president, does what Trump is pressuring him to do, which is to set aside the certification of the election to say there's too much doubt and to delay things so that these false electors can then come to the fore. You know, uh, the creation of false electoral states is a, is a tough claim to make, again, as an official act of the president versus the act of kind of a desperate candidate Trump. Yeah. There's this archaic sort of theory, isn't there, that essentially a president can't commit a crime. They can't do something illegal because by virtue of being the president and them doing it, it wouldn't be illegal. <laughs> That's the old Nixon line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Is that essentially what he's trying to, to push for himself? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of variants, right? So if you take the Nixon version, right, he actually, you know, he said straight out, if the president does it, that means it's not illegal. Now, he was referring to things that were done, he claimed, right, on behalf of national security. Uh, this is back, you know, in the Watergate era. And yeah. so he's making a claim that the people that he's ordering to do things have to believe that the president is ordering them to do something legal. Um, it didn't really fly then. It doesn't fly now. There's a doctrine within the Justice Department that says that the sitting president cannot be prosecuted for a crime, that you would have to wait until they're out of office, which, you know, if it was a serious crime, should happen via the impeachment process. Uh, and then Trump's argument, I think, is a little bit different because he's arguing that his official duties actually required him to act in a certain way. That's a little bit of a different claim than Nixon, who didn't deny that he went beyond the letter of the law. For Trump, he's claiming a very expansive view of his official duties. And by the way, there's a Supreme Court case that says that a president can't be held liable for his official duties. Um, now, that court case doesn't apply to criminal behavior. And so the Trump lawyers are desperately trying to shoehorn it in. That's why they're using the kind of language they're using. Uh, I think it's unlikely that will fly. You can decide, I guess, as the jury, whether he is, in fact, guilty or innocent of conspiring to take away people's voting rights and interfering in the election. But to argue that they're part of his official duties seems a lot harder to me. 
Hi, I'm Katie Riley. On the slow newscast from Tortoise, Donald Trump became the first former U.S. president in history to face a criminal trial. The defendant repeatedly made false statements on New York business records. This is not a trial. This is not a, an act of criminality. We cannot and will not normalize serious criminal conduct. This is the story of his first week in court told through the transcripts. Listen now to the Slow Newscast wherever you get your podcasts. The third point I'd like us to talk about is the the classified documents case. I mean, this Mm -hmm. to me in a lot of ways seems like one of the weirdest or just the most stupid. I'm not sure whether it's done, (laughs) you know, deliberately or by accident, but how serious a crime is being alleged here and around this. And could you just talk me through it? Because it seems almost stranger than fiction to me. Yeah, well, the president, of course, while president, has access to all classified information in the government. Uh, Once they stop being president, though, something called the Presidential Records Act kicks in. And that was passed after Nixon to make sure that presidents didn't hold on to government documents. Trump talks about it in a very confusing way, and maybe he doesn't know what the act actually says. There's not a lot of evidence. He's read the statute books carefully. Uh, (laughs) But... Basically, once you're not president, the National Archives takes your documents. You can go look at them under their supervision, right? You want to write your memoir or what have you, and ultimately they will go to your presidential library, but again, under the ownership of the U.S. federal government via the National Archives. So the Presidential Records Act is one issue. The Espionage Act is another, right? You're not allowed as a private citizen to have classified documents. You're certainly not allowed to show them or read out war plans to reporters that happen to be sitting around in your uh, country club. And then, of course, if it turns out that accidentally you did wind up with some documents you shouldn't have in the boxes that you took home, which is conceivable. In fact, we've seen it with Joe Biden, Mike Pence, others. Um, Once you figure that out, uh, you give them back. Right. So what Trump's being charged with, more than 30 counts of possessing classified documents, some of which are very highly classified indeed. Uh, But then he's also charged with obstruction of justice. And he's charged with false statements, because once he was asked about these documents, he lied about them. He said he didn't have them. Uh, And then to make it harder for federal officials to find them, he actually literally moved them. Uh, You know, you've probably seen the pictures of them hiding out in his bathroom at (laughs) Mar-a-Lago. But they were also brought up on a plane to... New Jersey and moved around uh, so that ultimately when the FBI had to execute a search warrant to get these back, they couldn't find them then either because they had been moved. So the obstruction of justice counts, right? There's six of them and they're 20 years each if he was convicted of all of them. Um, The national secrets material, there's 30 plus counts and that's 10 years each, right? The false statements, another five years each. Again, so we're talking conceivably hundreds of years. What happens mostly in these cases, and by the way, people are prosecuted on these counts all the time, right? We had cases just last year um, of an FBI agent who had wound up retaining classified documents, and um, she wound up getting four years of custodial sentence plus extra time after that. There was an Air Force lieutenant colonel who was convicted pretty recently who got seven years. And so the Espionage Act, because of the severity of the sentences, is often used as kind of a bludgeon to get people to plead guilty. Yeah. Uh, Trump obviously doesn't have much interest in doing that. But if this was Lieutenant Colonel Trump or any private citizen not named 
Donald J. Trump would almost inevitably be convicted of this. And I can't see that being Donald J. Trump is going to, to shield him from that. This is, in some ways, the most open and shut of all the cases. On to number four. So Trump is quite famous for getting very angry at a lot of people. But what seems to me at the moment is happening is that he's getting very angry at a lot of people who were once his friends. So the fourth <laughs> point being, Trump is turning on just about everyone who's ever been close to him, it would appear. Could you talk me through who he is looking to try and seek revenge on and who's making him the most angry at the moment? Right. Well, a big uh, theme of the 2024 election campaign on the Trump side has been his new slogan, I am your retribution. Now, he's saying that he is going to get retribution on this uh, horrifically uh, oppressive federal government on behalf of his supporters. But, you know, a lot of people suspect that this is really retribution against people who he feels have wronged him. And that's a lot of people. The point, though, there is that he's sort of come up with a, a list of people that if he regains control of the government, he would like to punish. It's not quite clear what he would do, but he certainly wants the Justice Department to be the instrument of his retribution, right, to prosecute people who have offended him in some way. So Mark Milley, the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, is very much on this line. Milley was, you know, extraordinarily reluctant to use the military in ways that Trump wanted and has been pretty consistently critical of Trump ever since. Uh, Trump has attacked John Kelly, his former chief of staff. He's attacked uh, Secretary Tillerson, who was his first secretary of state. These are all people who have sort of cast doubt on Trump's uh, mental acuity or on his decision-making skills. But it's a long list. It's anybody who's testified to the January 6th committee that was investigating those attacks, right, is on the list. Uh, and it is most of the FBI, right? All of the people who are actually doing the investigations into him now, prosecutors, judges, uh, in New York, he's gone after the clerk of the judge, and I believe today after that judge's wife, right? So there are family members who have sort of been put on this enemies list, another echo of Nixon. And again, it's unclear what would happen, though in a rally, he told the crowd that Mark Milley actually should be just summarily executed. Um, so if you think about the former commander in chief saying that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff actually should just be killed. Um, gives you a sense of the mindset here and of the sort of scope of what the president hopes to do. And the notion of turning the Justice Department into your personal instrument of harassment, of revenge, is a real problem. And it's something that we've worked for 50 years after Watergate to depoliticize. We've tried to keep the Justice Department out of the president's direct control for the precise reason that we don't want it used to undermine the rule of law rather than to uphold it. So fifth and finally, our last point is going to be Trump's meddling in in Congress. What's going on there and how has he been interfering from the sidelines and actually having a tangible political effect despite being, for all purposes, outside of politics at the moment? Right. Well, you know, I said at the outset that he's uh, in a lot of trouble legally, but we could have said he's doing pretty well politically, yeah. actually, right? A large proportion of the Republican electorate wants him to be their nominee for president again. Other people trying to run against him have found very little traction in the presidential primaries. Uh, Chris Christie, right, the former governor of New Jersey, has probably been the loudest in sort of denouncing Trump as someone who is really not fit to retake office. Uh, and he's at you know 2% in the polls. 
So there's not a lot of uh, evidence that Trump has been harmed as a political force within the core base of the Republican Party, right. especially. And Republicans in Congress have a very small majority. And so to move forward, that majority has to be united and that majority is split. There are a certain group of so-called MAGA Republicans, right, who are very loyal to President Trump, and they were able to depose the former speaker, Kevin McCarthy, effectively, uh, and then to prevent anyone not to their liking uh, to take office. And then Trump was quite active in the process of replacing the speaker. He endorsed one candidate. He actually uh, sank the candidacy of another candidate to Tom Emmer, who was the House whip, right, who seemed like a pretty plausible candidate for the speakership. Uh, he was shot down by one post on social media by Trump calling him a, uh, a globalist rhino, a Republican in name only. Uh, and Emmer's main offense was to have voted to certify the 2020 election. Yeah. Even after the uh, attack on the Capitol on January 6th, almost 150 Republicans still voted against certifying the election results. Um, Emmer was, to his credit, was not among them, uh, and that made him disqualified effectively. So Trump has been moving around. He's, he claims to have been angry at Kevin McCarthy, the, the speaker who was deposed, uh, because McCarthy had not moved fast enough to expunge Trump's impeachments from the record. Remember, that's multiple impeachments. Plural. <laughs> the only time in American history that's happened. And, of course, Trump has been pushing for Joe Biden to be impeached. And we are seeing uh, movement in that direction by the House majority. He's been pushing for Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, to be investigated for supposed corruption. And, you know, the House majority has done these things, right? They want to make sure that they're not on the wrong side of Trump when it comes to primary elections Trump's record in general elections, when you actually allow everybody to vote, is not that great, right? He's not widely popular, but within the Republican electorate, he still has a lot of sway. Yeah. And he has used it to try to get legislative outcomes that he thinks will reinforce his message. And obviously, you know, if Biden is impeached, then the message of impeachment might be, well, yeah, they impeached me twice, but look, impeachment's obviously a partisan joke. Uh, if there's some kind of stain of corruption that attaches itself to Joe Biden by his son, right? And his son, by the way, is certainly, you know, a screw up, but there's really no evidence that we've seen yet that attaches that to, to Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. But to the degree that you keep talking about it, then Trump's message will be, well, people accuse me of corruption, but look, Joe Biden's corrupt. Everybody's corrupt. Hillary was corrupt. You know, again, you sort of define, uh, there's an old phrase, defining deviance down, right? It all becomes normalized. It becomes yeah. just part of the routine. Politics is dirty, so the fact that Trump is dirty doesn't matter. So you can't really hold that against him. Uh, and I think that is part of what he wants to do. With Trump, I think sometimes it's it's almost like people give him too much credit sometimes and too little credit sometimes on how, as you say, charismatic he can be, but how how smart he is. And I can't always actually pinpoint where I stand on that as to how calculated he is. With that, do you think it's all completely, as you say, orchestrated to just drag everyone down to a level? Or does he actually just have a very simplistic worldview in a lot of ways? And he genuinely can't seem to gauge that 
the same crime can be committed and on paper it's the same crime, but there can still be a barometer of how extreme that can be depending on how that crime came to be. Is he just a very rudimentary person in that way or is he a lot more calculated and just using it because it, it works for him? Well, I certainly think that he's an instrumental person. If something works, he grabs to it and he'll yeah. stick with it. And, you know, he found Twitter was one way that he could do that during his presidency and setting the agenda that way. I think generally, though, he is simple in the sense that his worldview is that whatever helps him personally is good. And whatever needs to be done to make that happen is legitimate. So I don't think he has a certainly not a particularly well thought out worldview with regards to policies, with regards to even ideology. You know, his positions are all over the map. But for Trump, what he's interested in is having power, using power, um, achieving his outcomes. And currently, staying out of jail is kind of an important reason for him to be running for president, because that will serve a lot of his own personal interests. <laughs> uh, so it is a uh, conundrum, right? I'm not one who thinks that Trump is just an idiot. I, I think he tells you what he is all the time. He's not a secret. And I think the fact that people can't quite comprehend that anyone would just, just go out and say it has been very much to his advantage. But I do think that the, the basic driving principle here is, you know, what's good for me? It's not really about what's great for America. And that is a, a problem, right, if you want to be president of the United States. Andy, that has been infuriating in a lot of ways, but also very enlightening. <laughs> Thanks so much for talking to me today. Well, a great pleasure. Yeah, I mean, we can go through all the other 91 counts if you want. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, a, yeah, it's a, a fascinating time to be alive. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Listeners, if you enjoyed The Bunker, remember that you can back us on Patreon to get episodes ad-free and early from £3 per month. And your endorsements also mean the world to us, so if you have the time, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or share an episode with a friend. I'm Jacob Jarvis, and thank you for joining me for The Bunker USA. The Bunker USA was written and presented by Podmasters Managing Editor Jacob Jarvis. The producer was Eliza Davis-Beard, with audio production by me, Simon Williams. The group editor is Andrew Harrison. Music is by Kenny Dickinson, and artwork is by James Parrott. The Bunker USA is a Podmasters production.